how do I separate what I've been taught to want and to strive for and what I've been taught should be success um, from like what is authentically deep down spiritually inside of me. This is the Wellstruck Podcast, where we talk about what small business ownership is really like. I'm Sarah Zero, the founder of Wellstruck and the facilitator of the Wellstruck community, where small business owners gather to talk shop and exchange fresh perspectives with friends who get it. After years of hearing small business owners talk candidly behind closed doors, the biggest secret I've learned is that we're all just figuring it out as we go. Here on the podcast, I'm interviewing the folks who are down for sharing their stories about the messy middle. Today, I'm chatting with Loretta Gary, the founder of Radical Hearts Print Lab, where she designs art and gift items that share affirming messages rooted in social justice. Loretta's goal is to remind us of our individual and collective power and to inspire the activist spirit in us all. Hello and welcome, Loretta. Yay. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy that you're here. I know that you're a little nervous, but I'm confident because I know that um, you're going to rock it. So uh, before we dive into talking about the business stuff, let's uh, set the scene, give a little background on you so people know, can kind of visualize what's happening here. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am... If you don't know it, I'm a black queer woman. I live in Philadelphia, which is the unceded territory in the original land of the Lene Lenape people. I am working on doing um, land recognitions and acknowledging my own space that I'm taking up as a, what's the word, a settler? I'm a settler here, um, even if it wasn't by choice over generations from my lineage. Um, But I do benefit from the displacement that happened and the the violence that happened on this land. Um, So yeah, I am a black queer woman. I live in Philadelphia and I'm sitting in my office surrounded by printers and heat presses. And I'm excited to be talking to you for my very first podcast. I love it. It's perfect. I feel like you gave a very nice visual for people. And I know that we might later in the episode hear from your kitty cat named Muffin, right? Yeah, he's adorable. Um, I also have another one, a temporary, question mark, temporary uh, resident (laughs) who threw himself at me a few weeks ago on my porch. Um, Philadelphia has a lot of stray and feral cats. And this is the first one that I just like felt called to bring in and take care of. Um, So I'm currently fostering a teenage cat who is now named Bradley Brown. Um, So there's a lot happening over here right now. (laughs) And then I know that you also wanted to touch on um, the fact that you are an anti-capitalist as many well-struckers lean that way as well, which is an interesting, an interesting dichotomy. You want to talk about that just a little? Yeah, I even love that we have that framework of thinking about um, anti-capitalism. If I'm not pro-capitalism in a business space in the United States, is that a counter being uh, the potential to be a successful business person? Like, is anti-capitalism 
the opposite of successful business in the United States. Um, so I love the fact that you even just phrased it as like, that's an interesting dichotomy um, because uh, I'm sure we'll get more into it because um, that's definitely my values. And that is a very core value that I have that I, I deeply believe that capitalism doesn't serve humans the best way that I, in our environment, the best way that I think we possibly could. I know we deserve better. Um, and it is a point of contention and um, friction in my business journey. Um, so, so I think it's very important. I had a, my first interview, not my first interview, my first session with a new therapist. And that was like one of the first things I said within the five, first five minutes to be like, Hey, I'm anti-capitalist. And that's going to be a thread throughout everything that we do together. Um, because it's deeply important to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know that's like, I kind of like hit you hard right up front with like <laughs> the big question. Yeah. <laughs> but I also know that it's such a big part of who you are that it makes sense to uh, have that woven in early. So I'm sure that we'll expand on that more too. Okay. So now that we have a little more background on you, I would love to hear from you a little bit more about your business, starting with what do you do in your in your own off the cuff words? I know I had your nice little bio earlier, but um, I love to hear it like live in the moment, putting you on the spot. Um, what do you do and for who? What's your purpose? If you're meeting somebody, what do you say? Oh, and goodness. I know it always changes for, for all of us. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a little bit of a weak spot for me um, that I I wish I had a nice... Uh, elevator pitch kind of uh, I mean I think the bio that you read was spot on and the closest and I need to remember that like take notes um so I'm trying to create good things in the world and hold space for people so to like sustain the movement and the revolution uh in a way that will also help me like pay my bills and take care of myself and muffin my cat and my family and my parents and whoever else is in my community. It's, I make art. Um, I would love to move into holding events and creating conversations because it's my favorite part of this work that I'm doing. Um, But I see myself as a facilitator of like, like I, I see myself, I see the work that I create. Like I struggled for years to consider myself as an artist because I'm self-taught because I have so many like imposter syndrome things and layers of all of that jazz. Um, but also because I realized within the past year or so that it's not necessarily about making the things that is most exciting to me. And that fills me up. It's the idea of like, how am I contributing to a more just world uh, on terms that feel like that aren't soul crushing? <laughs> um, so what do I do? <laughs> I, yeah, I make art. I make mugs. I make greeting cards right now. I'm a digital designer, self-taught, and I try and create these items that will start, like remind us that like there's good in the world that we have power um that we're not alone um there's a lot of quotes and affirmations that honor um activists and revolutionary trailblazers that who have come before us and i like to play and i like to have conversations 
Um, I like to deep, like, you know, think and reflect deeply on our emotions and our experiences. And unfortunately, part of what I do too is like bookkeeping and marketing and all the other annoying parts that go into running a business by yourself. I love when people describe their businesses in a more meandering way rather Mm. than the tight, solid elevator pitch, because I think you actually get to see and hear like more of the why and more of the passion behind it. Like just now you gave us a peek into what drives you, what you currently do, what you want to do in the future, what you're working on all those things. And so I know to you, you you felt like, I don't know how to say this succinctly, but that's exactly what I was looking for. And um, thank you for letting us into the, the messy, the messy description, which is the more interesting one anyway. So what is one of your favorite quotes or affirmations on your products right now? I didn't know you were going to ask that, but I'm so glad that you did um, because I've had on my wall a sticky note for, well, I've only lived here for a year and a half, so it hasn't been there that long. But this quote, Audre Lorde is a deep, the author, black, um, queer woman, author, poet, change maker, extraordinaire. Audre Lorde is a deep, a deep uh, source of inspiration and strength for me. Um And I have a quote on my wall on a sticky note that says, without community, there is no liberation. Um, And I just finally turned that into a new print that isn't online yet, but will be as soon as I get to it. Um, And it can't show you. This is not doing it justice on... Loretta's holding up a picture of her print, which we'll definitely put in the show notes. So if you want to go see that, go check it out there. Yeah. Um, so that's my most recent, my newest piece. Um, and I think that it embodies, it captures so much of why we're here, how we found ourselves here in Wellstruck specifically, I should name that, um, reminding me like why, why it's important that I stay connected to other people. So part of like my solopreneur journey has been realizing, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's the whole COVID thing right? Like COVID happened and like isolating and, um, and then also choosing to like go into business for myself um, with doing something that is a lot of, I'm a graphic designer. So I do all my work on the computer um, and that can feel very isolating. Um, This quote without community, there is no liberation just feels like the affirmation I need to Uh, not let my anxiety and like my introvert tendencies to like close off. It's like, no, yes, I can create this piece of art by myself. Yes, I can print something by myself. Like I can do things by myself, but that's not the point. Like I am stronger with other people. Um, My work is meant to be shared with others. Um, we're, We're supposed to be in this together. We need to be connected in order to make the change that we want to see in this world. Um, and I think too much of this of our culture is very hyper individualistic and isolating. Um, so it isn't live on my website yet, but hopefully maybe that'll be my challenge to like have it live before this podcast episode is released. Um, yeah, thanks for asking. That was a beautiful question. 
Of course. Um, I love asking about the favorite bits of your work and that tied in so beautifully to when you were talking about your business earlier and the purpose and um, realizing that the conversation and the action that is inspired by the work and the meeting the people who buy your work and um, people who are interested and engaged in what you do, the conversations and the action that follow are are where the real the real good stuff is. That's the good impact and the ripple effect that you're creating, which is exciting to see. And it's so interesting to me to hear that like you are an introvert and close yourself off because I know that you are just so good at sharing in a way that makes other people feel safe and invites other people to warmly into um to share their vulnerable bits as well. And so um, I know that's one of the reasons I especially wanted to have you on the podcast. So um, I'm just excited to see all that comes next for you uh, as you talked about the, the uh, events and facilitation and such. Yes, I'm going to make you. you cry, aren't I? Yeah, I just, <laughs> those past few days have just been very difficult. Um, and I feel like I go through ups and downs a lot. I mean, who doesn't? I'm, I'm trying to honor my cycles more and not like just my menstrual cycle. That's not what I'm referencing. I'm like, you know, energy cycles and emotional, like all the things. Right. Um, and there's no shame in my menstrual cycle being a part of that process too, but the world is very heavy and it's coming at us very fast. And um, between yesterday and today I had, to amazing conversations with people that I'm in community with. Um, and so I'm feeling extra hyper aware of like how I've been conditioned and taught to think that like needing people and asking for help is a weakness. And yet that's not serving me. Like thinking that I need to do stuff by myself or having certain standards for myself, or I'm feeling like ashamed to, to ask for help or receive assistance or input from other people. Um, yeah. So this, again, like without community, there is no liberation. And uh, I really appreciate Sarah. Like you're, it's so fascinating how other people can see things in us that we don't see in ourselves or that we need like that distance from. So thank you for seeing that in me and um and for like valuing it um yeah yeah absolutely i've talked about zone of genius before here on previous episodes and um i think one of my zones of genius is being able to see that in other people um have that step back and and see like and, and to be able to tell them which sometimes is awkward like little kids think i'm super weird because if i see a little kid and they're doing something like really unique and really cool i'm like oh my gosh it's so cool that you did such and such and they look at me like who is who is she i'm not doing this to strangers but like my friends kids anyway i feel like i do that with people in the community as well so now that I've shared a little bit about my zone of genius, I'm going to spring this one on you. Do you know your zone of genius? And it's okay if you don't. Wow. So many things I want to comment on. Okay. First, I just want to acknowledge that I think it's great that you say that you make that awkward comment to children uh, because I think not enough kids are told to like trust their weird 
or whatever. So <laughs> even if it doesn't make sense to them, then in the moment, like it's good that you offer that affirmation. <laughs> um, and then two, I feel like I know my zone of genius. I'm learning to trust my zone of genius. Thanks to you and my mastermind I'm in with you and well struck um, y'all reflect back to me very well. Um, I think my zone of genius is related to my depth of caring. Um, and for the longest time, and maybe even still now, definitely still now I am, I have learned to undervalue that um, and just assume that it's like, I take it for granted a lot um, that I care so much about other people and the world and feel connected to so much more than my immediate sphere. Um, and I think there's a lot of beauty and power in, in my ability to care and connect with other people um, and to, yeah, chat. Yeah, I think you. Oh, my question yeah, mark. Question mark. I made a face to Sarah that was like, question mark? Is that a zone of genius? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you sounded very confident until the end. <laughs> <laughs> and then you gave me the question mark look. But yeah, I mean, I think that's spot on from the outside. I think it's so cool that you're you're like seeing that and starting to see yourself in your own zone of genius and have the confidence in it. You're starting, you're starting to have more. Um, like since we've all been together and are getting more comfortable talking about that kind of stuff, which is super cool. And um, people are going to think that I paid you to say all this, like it's one long advertisement for Wellstruck, but thank you. I'm very happy to have you in the mastermind. Um, your zone of genius is also similar to a trait of mine. And I got to share one thing that my therapist once told me that I found to be really helpful. And it's like, usually whatever your superpower is or your zone of genius or the thing that like makes you a really good friend or a really good whatever, like there's always like a good side to it and maybe a not so good side to it. And the not so good side for empaths or people who are like really invested in and deeply caring about other people is that like we deeply care about people that we shouldn't. <laughs> or we worry too much about other people to our own detriment, like we'll suck, it'll suck up our own energy. And so I thought that was very interesting. And I feel like that's helped me a lot since she said that of like, okay, you know, this could be looked at as like, I'm overly emotional, or I care too much, or it could be looked at like, oh, I, I can really empathize and relate to people, um, you know, as long as I keep it in check. Yeah. Does that resonate? Completely. Um, yes. Yes. And like all <laughs> of it, it's so, I think that's so fast, like that double-edged sword or like that tipping point of like how our strengths and the things that we care about or the, the, the things that we put our energy in towards, towards like there's good and bad with all of it. And there's lots of gray. Um, Yes, it resonates. It's another dichotomous kind of a thing. Like you said, double-edged sword or a, a dichotomy. It's, you know, going back to, we were talking about um, anti-capitalism, being an anti-capitalist while also being a business owner. It's like, well, yeah, because if I run a business where I'm not making money, then I'm going to not be able to feed myself or pay my rent or mortgage or continue on. 
doing the things that I care about to change our society as much as possible. So it is, it's like that catch 22. Yeah. Um, you're reminding me. So two things. One, I just want to acknowledge this isn't a paid ad for your, for Wellstruck. <laughs> um, I'm in another online community that um, is also very nourishing. Um, and that is thanks to Kelly deals. I, I feel like I'm learning a lot from her and she has an online community called the gathering space that is associated with the programs that she leads. leads. Um, and the other thing is too, you just reminded me of like when I was tabling, I was at a vending event. I had my art and items, whatever I was offering at the time uh, on the table in front of me. And I'm trying to get strangers to buy my stuff. Um, and, and at this time for years, radical hearts was a hobby. It wasn't until, covid that i had a whole like come to you know whole reflection wake up moment of like i need to treat this thing that i've been holding on to for five years i need to treat it like like the gem that it can be and really invest in it and let myself give myself space to explore further but anyway you just reminded me of like the first time someone said to me, like, ha, 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 you're selling something that's clearly anti-capitalist. Like, that's wrong. I should just take this. Like, they tried to, like, make a joke about, um, you know, not about, like, why am I selling something? And I remember not being prepared to, like, have that interaction. And I feel so much growth around that now because it's like, screw, screw you um you first, first of all first of all <laughs> yeah screw you <laughs> um not you personally but like that part of you who thinks that's okay um mm -hmm. because like you're looking at someone who made something with like their heart in mind and resources and you're like joking about it like not being worth something is how i perceived it um and then two like we all need an education in like capitalism is not the only way to exchange goods and like meet people's needs. Um, like it's just the, the structure that we are living under and is the dominant way like that our economy is structured um, now, but we have a gift economy. People take care of each other. We watch each other's kids. We do so many things for each other, for our friends run errands, all of that stuff's a part of a gift economy, but we don't acknowledge it. There's bartering, there's so much more, and that's not about the exploitation of resources to pad the bottom line for the few who hold. Anyways. Um, no, I'm, I'm totally following you. And like, also that person was so ridiculously wrong because like, you weren't exploiting anyone else. Like you created that thing and you, like- And offered it at a value. And like, granted, we can go down a whole slippery slope. I do struggle with like, I buy my paper from companies that I don't know who is making the paper in what capacity. There are things that as a solopreneur who's like creating things on such a small scale that I feel like I have very little- um, find like influence in, in very little resources to do the research necessary to like make sure I'm sourcing all of my raw materials ethically 
Um, but I'm not, but I'm moving towards a more ethical system. And I think that's the point. Um, totally. You're doing the best you can with what you've got. And it's so easy to see that from the outside or say that from the outside, but I can definitely relate to that feeling of like, oh my gosh, so I'm trying to create an inclusive community, but like, I, I can't afford to have everything translated or I can't afford to like, you know, it's like, how do you choose where to spend the money and the time to research how to do it appropriately? And also things change so fast. But like, if you get obsessed with trying to do all of it, you're going to end up doing none of it. I want to like clap and holler, but I know that might mess up the audio. <laughs> like, yes, preach. <laughs> like, I need that reminder often because I often get myself tripped up. Like a few weeks ago, I went down major rabbit holes around sourcing my packaging materials and was like, well, maybe mm -hmm. if I sc like scrimp here, do that. Blah, 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 blah. And then like I can afford the more expensive packaging that is like compostable or has, I don't know, or like where can I get it from that has so that it travels less to come here. And I lost like a whole day doing this research, which is fine. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, where I'm at in my business, like that's not the thing that's going to help me pay my rent this month. Um, exactly. And like, it's okay. Like I need to give myself grace. We all need to give ourselves grace in this process and like see, like make the changes. No, I'm trying to remember like the changes that I want to make will happen over time and not all at once. Yeah, easy easy to say and easy to say to somebody else, harder to do and remember in the moment. Completely. <laughs> Which by the way, remind me later, I've got to connect you to fellow Wells trucker, Lindsay Schmidl. She owns Gingerly Press, she's in Pittsburgh. And her business is all about like connecting her art and her um, printmaking to um, nature and uh, sustainability. And um, so she's done a bunch of research on that stuff. So you should, you two should chat. <laughs> Look, I can't help myself. Even, even on the podcast, I'm like, you got to talk to so-and-so. Um, so shout out to Lindsay. Hi. <laughs> hey, Lindsay. Can't okay. wait to connect. All right. So I want to dive into your story. So let's take a big step back and talk about a few moments that led you to your current work. So to start off, um, Radical Hearts started, I know, when you got burnt out volunteering. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I hope... Um my friends um, joke about how my storytelling technique is very wandery. Like I just wander all over and that you have to like, they have to like be taking notes and remember like, Oh, this is where she left off. And now she's going to tell a story about a dog. And then she's going to tell a story about this thing over here. And then she's going to come back around. So um, this is I'm buckled up. Fascinating. Okay. So yeah. So you just asked me about where I started and how radical hearts about burnout. That's the crux of everything. It's like, it's wild. Facebook just told me I posted my first picture of a radical hearts design seven years ago, um, which blows my mind. Um, and at that time, seven years ago, in my mid twenties, I 
was in grad school at Drexel University uh, in a program that I thought I should be doing um, around, it was a business program for a media business program called television management. Um, So I was taking business classes and, oh, Sarah's making faces. (laughs) I'm, I'm, I had no idea. This is, I love, see, this is why I love these conversations. Keep going. Yeah. Kids don't do this. Um, Trust your gut and don't, sign up for grad school just because you think you're supposed to and then take in all the debt and then not finish the program. Um, (laughs) So I was in grad school in a two-year program and was nannying for money and like loved the family I was working with. And also um, my undergrad was in sociology and film and media studies. And so I originally thought I was going to be a documentarian, um, which is like a whole nother, like feels like a different life. Um, but it, but it also makes sense. Documentarian, like it's still is like spreading messages and, and like about reality. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like I loved the concept of like, I just loved how the filmic language could share and transform the world like it could capture our world and expose us to so much more it could like how it can image moving images can transcend boundaries like little idealistic loretta was like yes i want to tell stories and like share them across the world and help change minds and whatnot um but like documentaries are hard and they take a long time and you have to get a lot of funding. And I just never, it just never happened and maybe it will one day, but anyhow. um, Mm. So at some point I was like, Oh, I should go back to school because I'm good at school and I don't feel like moving. So this Philadelphia based college has this media management program. And so cool, I'll do this. And then I found out that it was like, my favorite class was about ad sales, like ad sales based on television, like local ch- television for small businesses. And I was like, what in the world am I doing? How did I end up here? I didn't feel connected to any of my classmates. So I took a little, what quote unquote, like sabbatical and just never went back. Um, and so that ha- I had more time to work with there are two main organizations i was volunteering with one was um a part of the anti-fracking movement in pennsylvania um against the marcel shale development um and so that's like an environmental cause um and then the other one was uh with socialist alternative and their fight for 15 uh raising the minimum wage which is wild that that was like seven years ago and we're still asking to raise the minimum wage to $15. Um, and so I was really enjoying the community outreach, like door knocking, tabling, like all the things like attending, planning events, writing press releases, but all of that was free and like building great connections with people, but really hard to do on like nanny money. Um, and, and I was also just feeling like I'm not creative, like I'm missing feeling creative too. So at the same time, like all these things are kind of coming together and money was 
there was not enough money. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was just like, how can I sustain this? Like, I was just feeling like this work feels so important. And yet I'm in my mid twenties and I feel like I can't do this. Um, so I had this idea of like, well, if I create, uh, like if I learn how to do graphic design and I create a portfolio somehow of work that like speaks to me, uh, I'll be able to get a creative job at like some ad studio or something. I don't know. Um, so that's like where the seed came from and like, oh, well, what if I make things that I could sell to raise money for the organizations I'm working with? And, and so I had a summer seven years ago where I was like, I, I think I'm just going to test this out. And I launched, I launched an Etsy page. Um, and yeah, it was pretty dope it was kind of crazy because I thought I was only doing it to build a portfolio and get a job that wasn't nannying and that, but that, that felt good to me. Um, and then it turned into something else entirely, which is hard to remember. Like it's so, I just like, don't remember. It's, I don't think of that often how I got here. So thank you for asking. Yeah, that makes sense. So what happened next then? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like in a, in a nutshell, it's been a lot of false starts and ups and downs. And quite frankly, in a lot of jobs um, that felt promising and experiences that made it so that I never really saw Radical Hearts as more than like, Oh, this small thing that I do on the side. Um, so, all right. So here's, I think I see 2018 as like quite a tipping point for me. Um, and what happened was I ended up getting a job at a company thanks through to the work that I was doing at Radical Hearts, but it ended up being a very toxic organization and, um, so it's called Feminist Apparel. And in my mind and in my heart, I thought like, this is going to be the best thing ever. And it ended up imploding, um, to say the least. And it was covered by Vice News Organization. Um, we had like, some of my coworkers were willing to, I wasn't, I didn't really want to do any press, but the owner was a white passing cis gender man um and he had a habit of like letting people go or people would come and go so much that there wasn't ever the chance for major like pushing against the business decisions and things that he was doing at a business called feminist apparel under his leadership um but for the year and a half that I was there, there was a, there was a growing, there was a groundswell amongst the employees and there was increasing frustration and more of us began challenging his ideals of like, what does it mean to be a company that claims to be called, uh, that is feminist apparel, um, being run by you and employing a bunch of women and marginal people who have marginalized identities. Um, and we pushed and he decided to give us all vacation for a week and locked us out of the office and then laid us off all via email. Um, 
because we challenged him too much. And yeah. What a coward. It was super contentious. I'm oversimplifying the story. Um, And I like truly up until like the few months prior, like I really believed like radical hearts didn't exist for me for a while. Like I got connected with the founder of feminist apparel because of the work I was doing with radical hearts. We started following each other on Instagram and then they were based in Philadelphia. um, And they were just becoming a very well-known t-shirt supplier with like feminist messaging. Um, And so I started part-time doing marketing um, and helping with business development and then became full-time. And I just like, deeply believed in like the ability of the team to like come together and make this a better organization. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He started it, but like, we've got the knowledge and the power to like make this the beautiful thing that it can be. Um, And I really wanted that to happen. And I think that being laid off via email and never talked to again, um, really like broke me (laughs) like it was really disappointing and like reminded me of like oh yeah you don't have power into this thing that you're helping to build if the person doesn't just because they're nice to you just because they pay for meals just because they ask you to have like one-on-ones to like help develop the strategic plans and all these things and they like lean on you for so much of like the Ford, fa- I was someone attacked him for saying like he hired me to be the face because he knew that of the like the of the optics of, but that he didn't actually want to, and like that hurt to have people have so, that critique. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was that was interesting because I really thought like I had done what I had set out to do, which was like, oh, I'm gonna get a job at an organization that feels in alignment with the work I want to be doing. And then to have this dude freak out and be like, never mind all of your replaceable. Um, and like literally change the locks because we all had like, I, a few of us had keys and like knew the codes and things for the office. Um, it was wild. Wow. Thank you for sharing about that experience. I'm really honored that you're open to sharing that story here because I feel like that sounds like it was a really pivotal moment in your path. Um, a lot of what we have talked about so far on the even just two episodes so far is these nonlinear paths and these poignant moments that are like life-changing, whether they're positive or horribly negative. In fact, most of the time, they're sort of negative ones that make you realize like, okay, now I'm more clear on what my values are. And now I see how I was being taken advantage of. And I'm, I'm, I'm angry for you. Um, And I'm really glad that you're out of that and no longer like um, having him take your ideas and expertise and creativity and just the passion that you put into things and the energy you put around it, like, I'm, I'm glad he's not taking advantage of that anymore. And, and I'm really glad that you're putting that into your own business now, um, where you do have power over it. So, um, uh, so after that, I'm going to guess, is that when you lean more into Radical Hearts? No, 
No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So yeah, like 2018 was messy. I, um, my relationship of almost five years ended that summer. Both of us had deaths in our family. Um, and so I think that, and then with me losing my job, and I also realized after the fact, and it took some time for me to realize this too, that like I was pouring so much into feminist apparel and like feeling so, there's so much drama and negative energy in that space that I was like holding on to and fighting for that when the owner decided to just like pull the rug out from all of us who thought we were like, yeah, like we're being feminine. Like this is what feminism looks like. You got to like actually empower the people who are building this bin, like to be told straight. And like, you can fact check me all you want. Like this person said to us, this owner of this company said to us, I'm only running. I only intended for this company to be like feminist in name and like in the items that we sell, not like I still want to run a like a traditional normal business. Like I'm not here for all of this. Um, yeah, it's like <sighs> brain things. Just oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, so I was pulling a lot into that, and I think it really affected my home and relationship. And then yeah, um, us both having upheaval in our family lives that all ended, and so. I had to move and get a new job and deal with a lot. And so at that time I actually did the opposite. I was like, I need to find a real job. Like screw trying to infuse my values and purpose and mission into the work, into my paycheck. Like, so 2019, 2020. Oh yeah. And then 2020 happened. And then I got laid off from the nonprofit I was working for at the time. Oh, so you finally found something that was going well. Yeah. You like, you liked that experience. Yeah. I mean, I knew, part of me knew it wasn't what I was called to do, but it was my first job with health insurance. Um, and like whatever, like a 401k or whatever the thing was that I had at the time. Um, and I was like, okay, this I can do. I'm caring for people. I'm on a team. Like my other interests, like it was looking, it was there for the stability and then, and then COVID happened. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And COVID, I, I mean, I, a second to process that. Because what people couldn't see is my jaw sitting on the floor when you were telling that story. Um, again, thank you for sharing. There's no good response to that other than, like, oh, I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, so, COVID hit. And that's... Now that's when you leaned into radical hearts more, right? Eventually, eventually, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, that was also funny because that was the second time that I was laid off via email. I got it was a much bigger organization, um, and the the CEO sent an email to the entire staff, and I'm like, I never see her name in my email inbox. Like, what's going on? And up until this point, um, there was so much, like you know, like March the world was just like, what, or the United States in particular, we were like, oh, that's over there. We don't know what's happening. Things are closing, but like it's on the West coast and things are like slowly moving more East or like down from New York. And they totally gaslit us into being like, oh, you're like, your jobs are safe. Don't worry. Like this thing that's happening isn't going to affect us. We're fine. Um, but then the CEO 
sent out an email and then my the director of my program sent out another of my of my department sorry director of my department uh sent out another email that said like you know you've seen this email if you haven't gotten a phone call from me yet that means you're I mean, we were laid off. We were temporarily laid off due to the closures. But then obviously with all my like, I was like, screw this. I'm not going back. I was not happy to go back after the, like, you know, wait the months and months until they were like ready to start rehiring us. Um, I spent some time doing online boot camps. I thought I was going to do web design. So I threw myself into HTML and CSS. And then the uprisings happened in the summer of 2020. And I think that is the switch that was like, oh, I create something here mm. that has something, and I have something to say, and I'm so tired of being silenced and being and trying and de-emphasizing this thing that I can create and do on my own terms. Um, I need to lean into the power that I have and stop trying to like fit into a mold that isn't here to serve me or protect me. Um, so that's how. Then I was like, crap, how do I do this? Let me start meeting people who are also business owners trying to do things a little bit different. Yeah. Okay. So let's take a second. Yeah. Because I feel like you might need a second. I haven't relived. And my dog's barking. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't relived that in a while. So thank you for letting me go through that. Remember that. And I also think, like, I'm just remembering, like, oh, yeah, like, I feel myself actively being like, oh, yeah, it has been a, like, a bumpy few years, Loretta. No wonder it's been seven, because, like, I think sometimes I, like, get down on myself and I'm like, you've had seven years and this is all you've accomplished so far. And it's like, oh, yeah, because for so much of it, I didn't allow myself to, like, trust this as an avenue or a choice for me because I was trying to fit into another mold. I kept wanting to like have a conventional job. I kept wanting to like make my parents happy with like the conventional, like with the like security of health insurance being paid for. Um, And so like Radical Hearts was fine. It was fun, but like I never let myself think of it as actually potential until more recently. And I'm still struggling to like now see myself as like a business owner and like trusting that. Um, so it's important for me to remember this because I like kind of forget that this is how I got here. Yeah. I mean, seven years, but like, let's look at what those seven years were like, okay, grad school. I can only imagine how hard that felt and how difficult that felt and knowing you just because I know you more personally, like I'm sure you were hard on yourself about leaving grad school, but um in a lot of ways, a smart decision. Higher ed has its issues. Um, And then you had this traumatic experience of the work for feminist apparel, followed by the last three out of the seven years have been the pandemic. So like, yeah, yeah, like, and you've done a lot. So Hmm. let's start talking about like that good stuff that you've been doing. Yeah. So like, I want to thank you for sharing all that stuff. I think it's so important to share that that's the messy middle that we talk about of like those moments when you realize like this is not working i've got to figure out something better something that works for me and then having the freaking guts to do it because it's not easy and it's scary and like yeah 
it took a lot to for for you to decide like oh, i gotta just focus on this i gotta take this seriously it's not just a hobby i can do this thing so like that's huge congrats and i want to talk about your first vending event which is something that you said is something that led to your current work and you're really proud of oh <clears throat> i mean that i think was just uh me being like i don't know what to say <laughs> um it's less about the first time I vended um, and more about pretty much every time I vend, I get outside of my office, outside of my house. Um, E-commerce is wonderful. I'm so grateful that I already had a website um, that I was like paying for just to have, but not really using. Um, it's great to be able to sell my products online, but my bread and butter thus far, and also what lights me up the most is events, vending in person at pop-ups and like craft fairs and craft shows and stuff. Um, and even this past weekend, we had a very, very hot weekend in Philadelphia, um, in the area, I guess. Um, and I was vending at a local event and it was poorly attended mostly i'm guessing because of the heat but you know sometimes some events are hit and miss it is what it is part of the game um but the last and, and like people other vendors started leaving earlier um but i like to just because i know i know as like the event host it feels crappy to have your participants bail on your event like I was telling my partner and that was with me grateful, like so glad um, that we were like, okay, we'll give it until the last half hour. And like, maybe we'll cut that a little short. Um, and then this person who is a social worker came up with her partner and her friends and she just lit up and we had such a beautiful conversation and she just told me all about her job, how she used to work for the government uh, I mean, sorry, how she used to be in the army and how she just got a job with a local representative in Philadelphia as like the veterans liaison and how much one of my pieces will empower, like make her feel stronger to like handle the bureaucracy and the bullshit and all that stuff. She was just like, the like this is who I create for. Um, and it was just so funny, like, oh, I could have left and missed this connection. And like, it's less about the sale and more about like the vending events that I go to, there's, it's an opportunity for me to connect people who I wouldn't have already been in relationship with uh, or crossed paths with. Like, I remember the first time I was, I vended in West Philly um, I don't know if this is the first time, but whatever. The first time that a U, uh, UPenn student who looked very much like all American, tall, thin, white boy, blonde, dirty blonde, whatever, I would not have pinned him as a Radical Hearts supporter, but he came straight over the table and was really engaging and he was so excited to pick things out for his girlfriend and, like, that was pretty early on when this was still a hobby to me. Um, 
but it really challenged me to like not presume mm. what mm-hmm. why my work resonates with people or like who it's for um so just in general i feel like every time i vend it's an opportunity for me to like learn more and then also like reaffirm yeah. why the why i'm doing this why i'm like going on this crazy journey yeah. Totally. And it's community. It's back to that whole thing that we've been talking about. It's the thread all throughout of like, it all comes back to community and connecting with people. Man, I feel like that's a big lesson I've learned too in entrepreneurship is Mm -hmm. like, yeah. And you were touching on this earlier, this idea of like, when you're struggling, that's the thing you should hide. Or like, that's the thing you need to like cover up until you have it figured out because you don't want to let on that you're struggling or that you have a messy middle or that you're struggling with mental health or whatever it might be, finances or whatever. Um, But I keep learning the lesson over and over and over again that like, it's when you find people who will, who you can trust and who make space for that as soon as you find those people and can share it with those people, it's like such a weight off. Completely. Yeah. And it, and, and like, yes, interfacing with your, your customers, because not only are they your customers, they're your people, they're your community, they share values and beliefs. So, I mean, I'm repeating things you already know. I'm just connecting the dots out loud here. I mean, I'm the same way. Like, this is why I love interviewing members of the Wellstruck community, because I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to go know you on such a deeper level. And it's all... It's all part of the community building, you know? So, super meta. <laughs> I love the meta. Hashtag meta. I love it, too. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I forgot that Facebook changed its name to meta. <laughs> oh. Not hashtag meta. Mm. Never mind. <laughs> um, so, is there anything else that before I move along to asking you about um, any unconventional things in your business? Is there anything else, like, really great moments in your business that you want to talk about or, like... I mean, the ones you just shared about the vending was were great. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, it's just like, I'm so grateful. Again, it's like the cycles, the energy, like trusting that like, okay, there are days that are down. There are days that I don't get done as much as I want. Or like uh, I pitched a, a new store and they're not interested and that sucks. Um, or I didn't meet my sales numbers and that sucks. Um, are my sales goal, my sales goals. Um, but then there are other days when it's like, oh, I'm a human having this human connection or like someone recently told me that they've used, I forget which one it was, but that they use a, they referenced a radical hearts art print in a diversity training that they led at their job. Um, and it's just like, I'll never know the ripple effect of the work that, you know, that I've chosen, that I've done thus far. Um, mm-hmm. And having moments like this to like reflect and slow down and connect, it's just reaffirming like, yes, look, let's keep going. Like, let's do this. We're doing it. Totally. This is great. Yeah. I'm just getting jazzed. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing about the wins. Um, that's a, that's a cool moment to find out that your work was used at a diversity training because your stuff's making a difference. So because you are anti-capitalist and you want to run your business in an unconventional way, are there any aspects of your business and the way you 
bring your values or the way you do your pricing or the way you uh, set your goals or the way you define success for yourself? Um, is there anything unconventional that you can think of right now that you would like to share about your business? Yeah, I love that question. I like to say and remind myself, I am a product of my society, of my like environment, right? Um, the more I explore running this business and attempting to run it in alignment with my values, the more I'm discovering how programmed I have been to be a little good American dream chaser, like U.S. born, um, like woman. I've been doing a lot of head and heart work to work on identifying what are authentic, true Loretta, spiritual being goals and ways that I want to show up and live in this world and the kind of impact that I want to have and separate that out from the good student who needed to please everyone, who wanted to make people smile, who feels like I need to make my parents proud and who feels like I have the weight of like capital B, black, capital C culture on my shoulders. Like the number of times I've been the token in spaces, like I can't even. So like, how do I separate what I've been taught to want and to strive for and what I've been taught should be success um, from like what is authentically deep down spiritually inside of me. And I'm still working on it. Um, I think this, I'm trying to give space and accept that this will be a ongoing, ongoing work. I wanted it to be like a, oh, I took this um, mindfulness program and I checked that box and now I'm elevated, but apparently it doesn't work that way. Um, so <laughs> how I'm running my business with my values intact, it allows for like this kind of conversation. It allows for me to be human. It allows for me really working on letting myself being nicer to myself and understanding that like, oh, when I'm critical of myself, where is that standard coming from? Whose expectation is that? Um, mm. Like centering my customers and like the work that I want to do, but not, feeling like I have to because I'm chasing something, uh, chasing like faster order fulfillment because Amazon has set the norm for that now um, or chasing like, oh, this is the way, the biggest thing I've been really working on is like how I show up on social media and how I show up period because that has been so uncomfortable for me because I feel like for the longest I thought I had to perform a certain idea of a person of like this artist who has this thing going on and like it just didn't sit right at all. Um, and so it triggered a lot of anxiety and then I would just like shut down and not do any marketing, but that's not how you run a successful business. So it's like, how do I create space that like does the hard thing to help me care for myself in these circumstances um, while also honoring like the complexity of like my human my human experience um I just am working on continuing to center my purpose and connecting with others and that always helps me feel a bit stronger 
in this process. I don't even know. That's not at all what I, I feel like if you caught me on a different day, I would have had a different answer. That is so wild. That's okay though. That's, I mean, that's, in fact, that's like, again, it's sort of meta. It's sort of exactly what you're talking about, about like having room to shift and like be human and not necessarily feel, be the perfectly consistent, always feeling the same way every day. Like different things happen. Like we're human. News happens. Tragedies happen. Atrocities happen. Yeah. So um, like in a different in a different space, I would have maybe talked about like sliding scales and like how I'm working on pricing and like how I want part like I want to have free offerings so that my some of what I provide is always accessible. But the reality is like I'm just trying to like I'm processing as you are and we all are processing a lot of emotions and violence and hard things right now and just like showing up and remembering like my marketing isn't the most important thing right now. Like being human and like, or like my, my Instagram statistics and my email open rate, like those specifics things are not as important as like, are you fed? Are you okay? Are you, am I like emotionally sound up right now? Am I safe? Like, are my people safe? Um, And that might mean, that this month I don't hit my sales numbers because I slowed down to like feel my emotions a bit more. Yeah. Um, and so be it. Yeah. That makes so much sense, especially when you're doing it yourself and it's like a one person show as my business currently is too. Um, yeah. You got to like make room for that. It's again, it's so easy to say it to other people and hard to do it for yourself. But um, man, I have to say, the more I know you and the more I talk to you and the more I see you, you just, whenever we're talking about community or conversation or talking about the the tough stuff where there's no like clear answer and we're just figuring it out and it's evolving, um, man, that's where you light up and shine and like your curiosity is so powerful. Um, so, so right now in your business, currently, you're selling art prints and um, clothes and mugs and these powerful messages and affirmations for people to incorporate in their everyday spaces to remind them to tap into their um, powerful, influential selves, aligning with their values and speaking up for what they believe in. There's my mouthful of yeah, explaining it. Yes, <laughs> to that. I just, want, there you go. I just want people to feel less alone and remember that we have power. That's it. Like, yeah. We've got this. We have agency. Uh, that's like, there's your line. There's your line for your homepage that you've been wanting. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so I know right now you are, we've already talked about the things that you already offer in your business. And I want to talk just a little bit more about the vision you have for the future. And of course, it's not crystal clear as it never is for any of us, or um, at least not for me. (laughs) Um, But I know that you have these thoughts about facilitating conversations or something along those lines. I would just love to hear um, what you got swirling around on your mind. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Um, I am not short of ideas, that's for sure. Um, Resources, energy, those might be a little bit more finite. Um, But 
now that I've finally stepped into uh, and I am accepting and learning to trust that like radical hearts is more than a hobby. It has so much more potential that is greater than me and my initial intention of like, I want to learn something new and see if I can like get a job. Um, Like I radical hearts has evolved and shown me so much more than like what I thought it could be. And I am want it to be more than just the art uh, and the physical items that people purchase. Um, This has always been about reaching people, like helping to combat burnout, helping to like fill people, fill people's cups when they feel depleted um, and helping to sustain movement building and activism because there is too much burnout. There's too much, uh, lack of resources or the perception of lack of resources. Um, And I want Radical Hearts to be a safe haven, a place that people can turn to, not just for gifts and things that can, they can surround themselves with in the physical space, but for like experiences that help affirm them and do that same thing. So like educational workshops, workshops with yoga instructors, workshops with Reiki people, people like anything, like people doing healing practices, places to hold conversation, to um, build connections with other people because we are stronger together. Um, I'm not quite sure what it'll look like yet, but I know Radical Hearts is more than just a physical, is intended to be more than just a physical um product selling business um it's all like a community a community for radical hearts um, sure yeah that's a word that's a, i mean that's that's a thing that's a yeah it's, it's certainly a thread yeah. that we've been hitting on because we all have so many we all have so much more to, and like i'm learning this about myself and i'm meeting so many amazing people and we all have so many things to learn from each other we all have valid experiences to teach each other um, and to like, maybe there's like a radical hearts resource exchange or like skills exchange. Maybe there's a radical hearts mutual aid. I would love, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to not be the person not making the products myself. And like, there's something fun about it. That's why I don't, I am very intentional about not doing print on demand services I make everything myself as much as I can, except for like the stickers. I don't do myself right now, for instance. Um, But it's important for me to like have that ownership of like the resources and know that skill. And I love being able to touch everything that goes to somebody. Um, And like I, part of me has this like idea of like, oh, maybe I'll be able to hire uh, previously incarcerated women or teens or like and they could do production so that I don't have to um (laughs) but it's a valuable skill Um, yeah yeah so and I know you'll pay a living wage oh yeah that would be and also oh my gosh it's another part of my vision is like oh once I'm able to like start hiring other people I can incorporate radical hearts could feature art from other people because again like that's not a thing it is something I can do and I love being able to do it. I feel sometimes it's really frustrating, but I also think it's great being able to design and create items, but I also love conversation. So like if I'm 
like if Radical Hearts is producing items that also support other creatives, like wonderful. Um, and then it would be amazing if Radical Hearts turned into a part of this is my 10 year goal, which sounds crazy. Like I forget, but again, these are, you're helping me remember things that I like, I went through this visioning exercise in the winter um, and I was like, in 10 years, I would like to have Radical Hearts, um, if not already, to be transitioning to a cooperatively owned structure. Um, so if that's the employees, then it becomes like transitioning it to, because currently I own Radical Hearts. Um, and due to our legal structure and the way things are, that makes sense right now. I'm bootstrapping this. I don't expect anybody else to like share ownership of this with me at this exact moment, but I would love to get to the place where it equally benefits other people. I never want to be in that situation where employees are like questioning my decision. Like I don't want to take advantage of other people. I want to, and it will be uncomfortable when that day comes when I start to like, you know, one vote for all, yada, yada. We have our guidelines and bylaws and all that stuff. But like, that is, I don't need to own this in perpetuity. I want it to be equally owned. Or maybe it could be a member owned model, but worker owned makes more sense. So in 10 years, let's check back in and see if that's happening. I love it. I'm here for all that. I love the way you're lighting up when you're talking about it. And um, here I was saying, oh, nobody has a clear vision of the future. That's pretty darn clear. I mean, of course, it's okay if that shifts over time, but like, that's really exciting. Uh, and who better than you to to get that going? Um, and look, see, it's like, I, I'm not going to say any good came of the terrible situation at your former workplace where your boss didn't let employees have any ownership. That's not, I'm not going to say there's silver linings. I'm not going to say that was a good experience at all, but it does speak to your character and who you are to be able to take that experience and say like, I want, I want more for my people. I want more for my team. Um, so that's just really cool. I just wanted to observe that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I'm like super grateful for this time for reflection. Like I'm lighting up because I forgot because in the day to day, I forget like, Oh, this is what I'm working towards. Like I'm focused on like, Oh, I got to find a system for the barcodes or I got to like, I don't know. I had the plumber here earlier today. It was very stressful. Um, and I forget that like I'm building more my goal. I'm doing this today here now for something more than just me and like my comforts. Um, and that, fuels me like me for better or worse like I've never been fueled by money um and maybe I kind of wish I was a little bit more <laughs> um I feel like I'd be a little bit more secure in some ways if I cared more about money um but like yeah oh shit radical hearts could employ like could employ people and provide security for so many people and could be a platform for so many creative, so many creative voices. And there's so much potential collaboration under this framework that I've just mm -hmm. begun to like create. Um, so yeah, thank you for reminding me that that is a part of all of this. 
I feel like you and I could both benefit from like taking a day to write up some of our big dreams and goals and like poster size them, (laughs) plaster them to our walls. Cause like when you're reminded of that stuff, you just light up and suddenly like you have this motivation and energy. It's like uh, one of Wellstruck's values is uh, clarity inspires momentum. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and community can help you uncover that clarity by asking you the right questions. And so when you have clarity on what you're working towards, it's posted up above you every day at your desk. Have I done this for myself? No. <laughs> All good. We're getting, may- we're going to get but, there. Yeah. Maybe we do it together sometime. Love it. So, um, Thank you so much for sharing all this, Loretta. I have really enjoyed hearing about your motivations and your story and your dreams for the future for your business and the deep-rooted purpose you have. And now I want to make sure that you have a chance to let us know how we can follow along with you. So I'm going to let folks know that they can follow you on Instagram. You are at RadicalHearts.com underscore and join Loretta's email list to check out her work, find out where she'll be vending next and to keep in touch with her. Thank you so much. And um, I hope to have you back in 10 years. Yes. <laughs> Sooner. Yes. Um, also, like, I just want to add, I can't wait for someone to interview you and uh, have you tell your story on your podcast. Hmm. Oh, well, maybe you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just planting the seed. Maybe season yeah. two. <laughs> so if listeners or anybody is wanting to work with you, partner with you, collab with you, where's the best way they can start or reach out? Yeah, um, I'm trying to not be so uncomfortable with business happening in DMs. Um, for some reason, like the, the old curmudgeon in me is like, this is informal, but like, it's so easy and also kind of democratizing and beautiful that you can just DM anyone on Instagram and potentially like connect. Um, so you can DM me. Um, again, I'm a human experiencing a lot. So please don't expect quick responses. Um, time is not my, um, forte. Um, or you can email me, which is Loretta at radicalheartsprintlab.com. You'll find it when you go to the website. We'll connect. And I'll put it on the show notes too. Oh, that'll make it easier. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for being here, Loretta. And uh, I'll see you soon. Oh my gosh. This was a delight. Sarah, you're doing great work and I appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wellstruck Podcast, where we talk about what small business ownership is really like so that you can be more confident about the messy process of figuring things out as you go, because that's what we're all doing. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend. And if you're a small business owner, join us for a Wellstruck Roundtable. You can subscribe to our email list, where we share upcoming events at wellstruck.com slash subscribe. And remember, you got this.